What's up? Hope you guys are having a great day today, and welcome back for another episode of the Matthew Spazzini Program, where we talk about financial freedom and economics. And today, we're going to be talking a lot about economics, and unfortunately, it's not going to be a lot of positivity. Uh, there will be some positivity at the end. We will, I will go through, you know, some ideas of what we can do to avoid this economic calamity that is coming our way. But before we get into all that, ladies and gentlemen, if you are joining me for the first time today, first and foremost, I want to say thank you for coming and, you know, spending time with me this week. You know, I understand that you guys are very, very busy, so it means a lot to me that you guys are here and that you're uh, spent choosing to spend your time with me. It means a lot. And, uh, you know, if you guys are just joining me here for the first time, I wanted to go ahead and ask you guys to take the 10 episode challenge where basically it's exactly how it sounds. You go back and you listen to the last 10 episodes. And the main reason is just there's a lot of value back there and I'm going to, and I might even be referencing stuff. It is pretty common for me to reference things in episodes that I've done in the past. And you guys simply just aren't going to be aware of it if you don't go back and listen to the last 10 episodes, but there's a lot of value back there. You know, a lot of those topics are what we would like to call evergreen topics. They're not all just, you know, dependent on certain news events that happened. And there's a lot of lessons that are to be learned with that content. So if you guys are joining me here and you like what I'm doing, go check out the last 10 episodes and you'll get a lot more value out of the show. And last but not least, if you like what I'm doing here, then go give me a rating and review on iTunes. It's one of the best ways you guys can support the show as it helps us get on the map. It helps us to get this show on the rankings on iTunes and stuff, which makes it more visible for, for a lot more people. So guys, if you love what you're hearing here, you like this show, then go give me a rating and review. And uh, yeah, we, we love it when our audience goes and does that. It's great. It really is amazing. So go do that if you like what I'm doing here and you want to help the show out. All right, so unfortunately, I wish I had some some more positive stuff to talk with you about. Um, today is going to be a lot about economics, and some some of the frustrations that I'm having when I, when I'm out on social media and what I'm seeing people talk about, and just they're all focused on the wrong thing. Now I've done an episode very similarly on this before. I hate how everyone's talking about the virus and everyone's talking about the election and everyone's arguing and bickering over the election. Look, as far as I could tell, I mean, I'm pretty sure Biden's going to win. I mean, the electoral college just came out. The electorate basically they just appointed all the points or the majority of the points to Biden. You know, right or wrong. And I would say it's wrong. I think there has been evidence of widespread voter fraud. But I mean, hey, you know, maybe that's just because I'm living in a, an echo chamber. You know, a lot, we talked about echo chambers in the past as well. Again, and I'm not just mentioning these because I want you to go back and listen to those episodes. But, you know, I mean, seriously, I, you know, I, I in, and that was probably further back than 10 episodes. But, you know, I mean, we talked about it. Are you living in an echo chamber? 
We talked about what echo chambers are. We talked about how dangerous they can be and how we all need to make sure and, and try our best to not live in echo chambers at all because they, they could just be very destructive. The echo chamber that the internet keeps you in is effectively... It keeps you thinking one way. You only ever see news that you agree with or news that reconfirms your your preconceived notions and your beliefs and things of that nature. You never see anything to the contrary. So if you believe that this virus is a killer virus and it's going to kill everyone or going to kill millions upon millions upon millions of people, you believe it's going to kill a lot more people than it actually has. And you are just in fearful of, the old, of your older parents and grandparents' lives and all this kind of stuff. You think masks are helpful, you think social distancing and isolation and lockdowns are helpful, you are, are basically drinking the Kool-Aid. Well, you're probably going on the internet and you're probably researching this stuff. You're probably hearing about it on the media and then you're probably, you know, on the TV and whatnot and then you're probably going out and you're probably researching more and more and more. And then when you do that, that's all you see on the internet, whether you're on Facebook, whether you're on Twitter, wherever you are, that's basically what you see because what you have is the computer, the, the, the internet companies store what are called cookies and it helps them know what you're looking at helps them trace what you're looking at and where you're going on the internet and then basically they tailor the ads to you in that way they not only tailor the ads but when you're on social media they tailor the content that you see the content that they recommend to you is all about that like if I start looking up libertarian stuff or Austrian economics guess what I end up finding I only end up finding Austrian economic stuff which this you know to the untrained eye this may seem like everyone is an Austrian you know, there's a lot more libertarians and Austrian economists or economic enthusiasts that are out there than what are really out there. But the fact of the matter is that I'm in an echo chamber. And, and so are you. We're all in echo chambers, and this is creating a very, very large problem. But anyways, w w that being said, ladies and gentlemen, all right, it, there's a lot of stuff that's going on that just people aren't really even thinking about, people aren't really focusing on, people are stuck in their echo chambers, trapped in their echo chambers. If you want to say fake news, yeah, they're trapped in their fake news, um, which I would say mainstream media, so mainstream social media as well. I mean, or, or social media is included in the mainstream media, but when I'm talking about mainstream media, that is. Or the truth is that everybody's stuck in an echo chamber. Everybody's scared and worried about all these different things. They're arguing and bickering and fighting. People are talking about civil war. Can you believe it? Civil war. I mean, I don't know about you ladies and gentlemen, but that's a scary thought. I think civil war is one of those things that we should be avoided at literally all costs. Like, I understand the anger. I understand the sentiment behind it all. I really do. But the civil war is... Uh, civil war, it just... It, it burns everything. Everything in a nation burns. Nothing is untouched. Families are not untouched. Men are dragged off to engage in war. Women and children are suffering as a result. And not just as a result of not having the men around, but they, you know, they're suffering due to other reasons. Maybe they're suffering, they're suffering because of the war in other ways. Ladies and gentlemen, a civil war is not something that we want. I know there's a lot of anger out there. I, I get it. I'm angry too, to be honest. You know, I, I do think that, you know, and, and not about the election. I'm angry about the lockdowns. I'm angry about all that stuff. The election I could care less about. You guys know my opinion when it comes to democracy and voting. And you also know my opinion when it comes to, you know, elections, particularly national elections. And if you're just joining me here for the first time, basically it's this. I don't like democracy. 
I'm a monarchist. Yes, I know, I know, I'm a monarchist. There, uh, we're a dying breed. <laughs> there aren't very many monarchists that are out there. Um, they're just, let's just be fair. I mean, there aren't. I think there are a few monarchist groups that are sprinkled throughout the internet, but for the most part, and they're mostly international, uh, they're mostly people who have monarchies in their, in their country. So the UK and stuff, it's not common to see an American be a monarchist, but I am a monarchist. I believe that while it is by no means the best system, I think it's, it's the best one we can achieve, okay? Humanity can actually achieve, and it can have very, very good effects. It can also have very bad, bad effects, too. It could go uh, both ways. So I don't believe that it's a perfect system by any stretch of the imagination, but I do think it, when you're taking human nature genuinely into account, I think that when you really, really think about it, a monarch makes the most sense. I mean... I don't think that there's a lot of other... Anyways, we're not going to get into it. There's a lot of other systems out there, system, forms of government that, that, that have been tried and really end very terribly. And I think democracy and republics, which are just another version of democracies, or any hybrid system thereof, I think that they are all uh, doomed to failure, basically. And I think that in the end, uh, monarchy is going to have to step in in order to create stability again and, and whatnot. But anyways, that said... If you know me, if you know me, you know that I, I don't like democracy. I don't like voting. I don't like the average person voting. I don't think the average person knows what to vote for. I don't even, they don't even know how they want to live their own lives, let alone how to try to tell the country how to live their life. Voting tends to not be more about the, you know, about the masses. Voting tends to be a small intellectual minority that wins the vote and ends up telling everybody else how they should live. That's more or less what, what democracy boils down to. The vast majority of the people in this nation just simply do not vote. So there's that. And then, so I don't like democracy. I don't like voting. And in particular, if you're going to engage in it, I really don't like it on the national level. I think it's even more fruitless, which is what everyone focuses on, by the way. But I think it's even more fruitless. And I really feel like it's a waste of your time. Your vote means nothing on the national level. You would be, if you're interested more in voting and trying to affect change via voting, you would be... Much, much more suited and much more benefited if you focused on the local level because there's not as much, there's not as many special interest groups, there's not as much money and power that flows into those areas. Yet, you can nullify if you get the, enough people on the local level, the right people, theoretically speaking, you can nullify what they do on the national level. But if you can't even do that, you can nullify it and nullify anything that happens in your own personal life. You know what you do? You just become wealthy and you leave the country. I know that sounds defeatist, and the Amer the founding fathers were separatists. They left the UK. They left religious persecution. They came here and they started their own country. They started their own nation. Maybe I shouldn't say the founding fathers, but the but the people who came to this nation were separatists. Okay, the people who came here were separatists. We were all British at one point. You know. It's interesting when you really think about that, or at least m most Americans who were, who came, whose families came here on the Mayflower and descended from from their those ancestors. Th th you would be British. My family came from Italy, Germany, and uh, also Ireland. This is the main area where my ancestors came from. So, but anyways, the the the, the ancestor who carried my last name, Spaziti, which by the way, for those of you who don't know, it's pronounced Spaziti. 
Okay, that last S, say it like a Z, is ZT. So like if you ever had baked ZD before, so spo ZT. That's how you say it. Uh, the only reason I say that is because there's a most people do not not know how to say my last name. And if you see anyone with my last name uh, in this country, odds are they are related to me. There aren't that many people or families that have my last name. There are a few up north. That's where my family mostly is, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. But for the most part, there uh, aside from our family, there may be one other family. Uh, there may be more now, but last I checked years and years and years ago, there was only one other family with my last name in here that we were family that we were not related to. So, but look, all that, all that aside, okay, everybody focuses on the national election. Everyone focuses on this kind of stuff. They're focusing on the elections. They're focusing on the virus. They're all focusing on the wrong thing. They're all focused. They're all being distracted. I believe that all of it at this point, the virus, the voting, the arguing, I actually genuine, I genuinely believe that it is all because it's all meant to distract us from the realities, the vaccine. It's all meant to distract us from what's really going on under the surface. And this is what makes me so mad. Not the election. What makes me mad is people are arguing and fighting and bickering amongst each other like children, like outright children. And they're, and they're saying they want a civil war. These, these punks, they don't even understand what a civil war would really mean for this nation. Be devastating. Absolutely devastating. That's not something that we want. Really is not something we would want. Okay? It, it, I, just, I just do not believe that that would be the right, the right way of handling it. But the fact remains, ladies and gentlemen, is that that's unfortunately what people are arguing about. People are, are genuinely angry. I understand the anger that people have, but, and I'm angry, like I said, I'm angry too, but I'm angry for different reasons, okay? Yeah, of course it makes me angry that somebody cheated in the election, but quite frankly, whether you had Trump or Biden get in, it really wouldn't have mattered because they have no power over what's coming. They don't. They genuinely do not. So let's start talking about that right now. What is really uh, going on that no one is focusing on? Ladies and gentlemen, it is the economy. The economy has been in dire straits long before Trump, long before Obama, long before George Bush Jr., long before George Bush Sr. and Clinton, long before Reagan even took office. And it goes back even further than that. The, the the type of monetary policy that has been effectively going on for so long now has been going on longer than you and I, or even our parents and grandparents have been around for. It's been going on for a long time, ladies and gentlemen. It really has been. Money printing, regula- regulatory burden that gives government more control over the industries, over over businesses. It's, it's been going on for a long time. Seriously, you would have to look back to uh, World War II, and, and that's when it really started to kick off under Franklin Delano Roosevelt, and then Woodrow Wilson, and then also Calvin Coolidge. Money printing was happening back then, too. Yes, it has definitely taken a huge leap forward the, the further and further we go down this road and in recent years, but the fact remains is a lot of the stuff has not been uh, good. This type of practice has been going on for a long time now. And it's only getting worse. But there's there's more than just money printing that's been going on. Look, ever since the lockdowns happened, and by the way, okay, I really hate it when people are, are, are talk about COVID-19 and they say, oh, well, the coronavirus has destroyed the economy. No, the coronavirus didn't destroy the economy. The government did. Your local government, your mayors, 
your governors, they were the ones that destroyed the economy, not the virus. The virus didn't force people to shut down. In fact, now that we look more and more at the virus numbers, now that we look more and more about studies on masks and lockdowns, all of it was pointless. There was nothing for us to worry about in the first place. This virus doesn't even kill the vast majority of people. It has, its fatality rate is incredibly small. And that's just, and that's not just with young people either, ladies and gentlemen. That's also with old people too. The vast majority of people, young and old, with comorbidities, without comorbidities, the vast majority of people that get this do not die. The, the, the flu is, has been worse than this. And, the, and most of the people who have died, a big portion of them were probably going to die anyways. And I don't mean to, I, I don't mean to make light of the deaths. It's a horrible situation. And many of these people died under even worse conditions because of government actions by saying, you can't go see your parents when they're in the hospital. You can't go see your grandparents when they're in the hospital. You can't even be with them when they pass. But whose fault is that really? It's the government's. They're the ones that are making life miserable. They're the ones that are telling us we don't have a right to work. We don't have a right to produce an income to feed our families. They're the ones that are telling us we don't have a right to go, you know, get out of our home and do whatever we want. They're the one telling us that we have to, you know, only stand within six feet of each other or, or whatever the rule is. And they're the ones that are telling us that we have to wear masks. It's not the virus. The virus doesn't have a brain. It doesn't have the desire to control people. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to be honest, the, the true virus here is authoritarianism. The true virus is that we've got tons of these local politicians that people have not cared about for a long time as to who they vote. They're only voting for progressive reasons due to their progressive religion or regressive religion. And basically, they voted in people they didn't really truly understand. These people are dictators, dictator wannabes. They're holding power over the people and they are destroying their lives. The lockdowns were not because of the virus. The lockdowns were because of power and control. That's what it is. I mean, in the UK, they're talking about moving to the, the most serious level of restrictions and they're talking about closing down bars across the country in the UK. And oh, but if you serve meals, you're okay. Apparently the virus takes a break if you serve a meal. It's okay. It's okay to remain open if you serve food. Apparently, the virus takes a break. Oh, well, there's a curfew that's in place. Oh, well, apparently, the virus takes a break when the curfew goes into effect. But, ladies and gentlemen, keeping people in their homes is not going to stop the spread of the virus. Wearing masks is not going to stop the spread of the virus. There is truly a virus out there, yes, but it's nothing that anybody needs to worry about. Or the type of people who do need to worry about it are very, very, very small portion of the population. Very small. And the fact of the matter is, is that this is just, this is just insanity. Okay. It really is. And it, but anyways, the point is, is that all this economic destruction has occurred because of the stupid lockdowns from the stupid politicians, the leeches on society. They suck out the lifeblood of, of our society, of our culture. They tell us lies. They make us think things that aren't even true, that do not hold up against any rational argument against any rational thought. And then they proceed to steal our money and then call us selfish when it's our money that's paying for their livelihoods. It's our money that's paying for their lavish expenses. And yet they're the ones that have the audacity to criticize us. 
These people are not your friends. They're not your allies. Whether Republican, Democrat, I don't care. They're not anyone that you guys should be respecting, looking up to. They're screwing over the poor left and right, enacting policies that make them look good, but in the long run, screw the poor over. Ladies and gentlemen, this is just beyond the pale, and it makes me angry. It really does. But the fact of the matter is that there is a lot of stuff coming down the road that we need to be aware of, and and that's really what I want to talk about. We got a moratorium on rent that is coming up, that it will be expiring on the national level at least on this December 31st, so we've got 16 more days before that one expires. And then we got another moratorium, uh, Mortgage Forbearance, that was enacted this year. I think it was signed into via the CARES Act, which allows people to effectively defer their mortgage payments for a total of 360 days. And we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about where that's coming. And then we're going to be talking about a lot of money printing. So we got a lot to talk about and everything. So let's go ahead and hop into it. We got a fair amount of articles to go through. We're going to go talk. They're rel- they're all relatively short. That's why we've got so many all on the stack today. But, you know, anyways, look, the fact of the matter is there's a lot of stuff that's coming down the line. We need to talk about it. Let's go ahead and get into it. So the f- all of this is from Zero Hedge, by the way. I will post all the links in the show notes page below so you guys can go. And if you want to read it yourself, you will have the ability to to do so, okay? I'll also be talking about the dates and stuff so that you know when these articles were published, okay? All right, so January is going to be a mess, a tsunami of evictions expected across the U.S. This is by Tyler Durbin. It was posted Tuesday, October 20th of this year. The Trump administration walked back federal protections for renters in early October, even though rent moratoriums were still in effect, which allowed property owners and operators to begin the eviction process for millions of people as tens of billions of dollars in back rent is coming due. In early September, the CDC published new temporary guidelines to halt evictions because of the virus pandemic. The public health agency said the CDC located within the HHS announces the issuance of an order under Section 361 of the Public Health Service Act to temporarily halt residential evictions to prevent the further spread of COVID-19. The order is effective September 4th, 2020 through December 31st, 2020. Before the eviction moratorium went into effect on September 4th, there was a 72-hour lapse, allowing landlords to evict non-paying tenants. 2020 has been a nightmarish year for millions of America's renters. At least 8 million of them are facing eviction in the coming months. Collectively, these folk owe an estimated $32 billion in back rent. This is Just try to wrap your head around that, okay? This has only been going on, okay? I'm pretty sure that this, this initial moratorium was up in July on July 30th or 31st. Okay, and then you know it was originally put out in March when the CARES Act was actually enacted. I, I believe I could be wrong with those dates, but I'm pretty sure those are pretty close. And effectively, what happened is that you know come July 31st, the the renter moratorium was about to end, and they pushed it out even more, and which could still happen. Okay, uh, the, the the moratorium ends on the December 31st, so we could see a coming wave, just like the article basically suggests that January is going to be a mess, a tsunami of evictions expected across the U.S. That's basically what they were saying the last time this thing was coming due. They could push it out, okay? So keep that in mind. But just imagine the amount of rent not being paid due to this moratorium, the back rent is what they're calling it, is $32 billion. It's only been a couple of months. $32 billion. That's an insane amount of money. Do you really? And they have to pay that. 
They don't ju- it doesn't just get forgiven. That's why this moratorium was never meant to help you. If you are a renter, if you know any renters that are using this moratorium and you're saying, oh, well, no job, no rent, because there's an actual image on this article that basically says that. Do you really, look, it wasn't meant to help you. It wasn't ever meant to help you, the renter. They don't care about you, the renter. They don't give one iota about you. The only reason they did it was because it was politically expedient. It made them popular, got them votes, got them support. Made them look good. It was also one of the easiest things to do because you would have had millions upon millions of renters out who may get angry, rioting in the streets. It was the easiest thing for them to do. It was was the most politically expedient thing for them to do, which is why they did it. It Had nothing to do with you. If anything, you're just a pawn in their game. And the fact of the matter is that, ladies and gentlemen, they still have to pay that rent. It's not interest. I don't think it's interest heavy, although I think in some areas, maybe some landlords had the ability to add interest to it, but I don't think that that was the case. They still have to pay it. It's not forgiven. Do you really think that these renters are going to be able to pay it at the end of whenever this thing expires, if it expires on December 31st, like it's supposed to? No, they're not going to be able to pay it now. They weren't able to pay it before. What makes you think they're going to be able to pay it now? The job market and the economy hasn't improved. Not enough. You've seen some bounces in some areas, but how do we know those are just, you know, not temporary bounces once we unlocked down the economy? And now we're locking, in many parts of the country, we're locking things back up again. These renters are are screwed. They're going to have to leave. Many have already left. And it's just going to get worse. There's going to be even more evictions. A lot of people are going to be homeless. Look, this is where a lot of people want to blame capitalism for all this. It's not capitalism. Okay? It's not capitalism's fault. The fault is really the Federal Reserve. The fault is really the government, the federal government that's causing these problems and has caused these problems. So let's go ahead and hop back into the, the article. We'll talk a bit more about that if, if, I, re- if I remember to at the end. We might just get going on a, a tangent. might totally forget about it. But it's not, it's not capitalism, okay? It, it, capitalism always takes the brunt because it's easy to blame things on capitalism. That's what the whole term, the whole term capitalism was created so that Karl, Karl Marx created it so that he could basically demonize it. So capitalism is always the whipping boy of any socialist, left-leaning communist that's out there. The fact of the matter, matter is it's not capitalism's fault. Okay, it's not. But this is a time when we need to engage in a lot of charity, a lot of helping. If you guys have the ability to, if you guys have the means, charities of the utmost, utmost importance at this point. If you guys are at church, you guys are Christians, you go to church, maybe look to see if there's any families that need help, any families that got kicked out, many families that you, that the church can potentially put up in your house for a time if you got a big enough home, if you have the ability to, maybe you can contribute money, you can contribute food. Uh, not that long ago, one of the biggest food lines in Texas was recorded. It was like thousands of first-time comers and whatnot to this food line. It was it was really, really sad. And it looked very, very different from the Great Depression line where most people were in suits with a, you know, a hat and stuff and, and whatnot, whereas now it's everyone's in a car. But the fact of the matter is, is that it's sad nonetheless. And if we can engage in any form of charity, we need to because this is when charity comes in. This is the benefit of capitalism is it makes us wealthy enough to where not everyone's going to suffer. The people who don't suffer need to help out the people who are suffering. It is, it, it, you, I'm not going to say you have to, but we should. We really should, okay? Because all that we have is a blessing from God anyways. 
God can take it away at any point in time. If you're not a Christian, you, you may not believe in that. But still, I believe that everything we have is a blessing from God. A blessing from, from Jesus, right? So as a result of that, he could take it away. Do you really think he wants us to hold everything close to us and, and not be generous with it? He gave it, He was generous with it to give it to us. Nothing that we possess, relationships, material items, finances, nothing that we possess is ours and ours alone. It's all God's. We are merely the stewards, the managers of it all. That's it. We need to be charitable with our wealth. And I'm not saying you got to go buy, you know, games and toys for kids. I do have an issue with some forms of charity, all right, uh, uh, you know, angel trees and stuff. But that's that's another episode for another time. But so let's get back into this article. But look, the most important thing we can do is stay out of the food lines and to be charitable and to be helpful and to give money, to give time, to give effort. That's the best thing that we can do. This is when we show that capitalism has a heart. Okay, And we need to remind people of that, that there would be no wealth to give. There would be no nice homes. No charity would occur if capitalism was not allowed to exist. Remember, what is capitalism? Trade that mutually benefits people. Okay, that's all it is. If you allow someone to come stay with you for a few months, you know, in order for them to get back on their feet, that is capitalism. Mutually beneficial. You traded space in your home because it made you feel good emotionally. That's what you got. You traded space in your home to help somebody out. And you traded that for feel-good emotions. That's what you did. It was trade. In, in, in the end, it was. To help a family out. All right? So that's what capitalism is. It has a heart. But it gets demonized and misrepresented and twisted every single day. It's our job to ensure that we understand and that other people, so that we can show other people that this is what capitalism really is. It has a heart. It really, truly does. But anyways, again, we're getting off on a tangent. Let's get back to the article. Okay, so I'm going to reread the, the first tiny little section that said $32 billion in background, and then we're going to continue. Collectively, these folks owe an estimated $32 billion background. Months of non-payment have exerted financial pressure on property owners and operators, some of whom have already failed to service their mortgage debts. Princeton University Eviction Lab and National Housing Research Center said on average there are roughly 3.6 million eviction cases per year. In early 2021, the number could be doubled, suggesting an eviction wave nothing like this country has ever seen before is ahead. Bob Pinegar, CEO of the National Apartment Association, points out mom-and-pop landlords are under an unprecedented financial strain, as many have seen eight months of non-payment from tenants, which, by the way, Again, for those mom and pop landlords, most landlords aren't doing as well as people think. They're not some rich, wealthy, fat cats. A lot of times they're barely breaking even, if that. And the fact that these landlords are going without pay, in some cases, this is their retirement. In some cases, this is all the money they have. This is their income. And it just got stolen away from them. Literally. If you were living in a rental property rent-free because of these evictions, that is theft. That is theft. Unless it is agreed upon by you and the landlord, it is theft. Let's continue. Princeton Labs 17 U.S. cities data shows since the pandemic began, at least 60,000 evictions have been recorded. As we've noted, evictions, homelessness, hunger crisis, and the continued collapse of America's working poor continues to plague the economy as a conventional recession could be unfolding. Pfft. 
the recession has already been unfolding. It's only been postponed, if anything, but it's already here. If anything, you could have made the argument we're in a depression, but anyways. Since the CDC's eviction moratorium went into effect, metro areas across the U.S. have recorded a decline in evictions, but that hasn't stopped some landlords in places like Columbus, Ohio, Jacksonville, Florida, and Gainesville, Florida, who have been filing eviction notices for non-paying tenants. Come January with billions of dollars in back rent due, struggling Americans like Natasha Burns, who owes more than $7,000, will be financially devastated in the new year. She told Reuters there's no way she can financially recover from this at the moment. If it weren't for the CDC ban, my kids and I would be homeless, Burns said. Making matters for the working poor, some cities have allowed landlords to garnish 20% of an evicted tenant's wages. Judgments ordering tenants to pay back rent can crush people's income for years. That is... Well, look, there was no reason to garnish the wages. Just let the landlords evict them. I mean, again, the garnishing of the wages never, ever, ever would have happened. They never would have even been a problem if you had simply just allowed them to be evicted in the first place. So anyways, all right, that's based, that was her story. It goes into another story of, a, a, I believe, a lawyer of some kind. Yeah, a legal aid lawyer, uh, Nick Toman of Milwaukee and whatnot. But again, if you want to read all that kind of stuff, you can easily do that. Uh, and the reason I'm not wanting to read the whole thing is because we've got other articles we got to read. Okay, we're going to jump right into the housing debt bubble is going to burst. This is again by Tyler Durbin. Now, this one was posted on Thursday, November 12th, 2020. Okay, the 100 billion plus housing debt bubble is going to burst. Being self-employed, I don't like to add extra bills or burdens, and with a moratorium, there's no guarantee that later I won't be further into debt. Lucy Freelance Photographer, Colorado, July 2020th. Lucy's concern about accumulating debt echoes across America. Millions of renters and homeowners are anxious about paying both their monthly housing bill and a ballooning debt balance. Based on present missed payment rates, consumers will accumulate at least 100 billion in housing debt by January 2021. The following model describes a set of linked health, social, and economic events. These events are likely to unfold in the next six months. An uncontrolled wave of virus infection drives a cascading economic impact. No, 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 no. Again, right there. I hate that. It's not a wave of virus infections that's driving this cascading economic impact. That is BS. It is the lockdowns that's driving it. The freaking virus never told you you can't go to work. It was the freaking governors and mayors that did that. They're the ones that screwed everyone and not the virus. The virus is not some acting individual trying to exert its power and authority over anyone else. Absolutely not. The virus is not what's responsible for the economic calamity that it's coming down this road. And I hate how people are referring to that because it gives these stupid politicians a get out of jail free card. It gives them the ability, and I'm, I'm sorry, I, I know I'm being very angry, <laughs> I'm, I'm really upset, I'm very passionate about it, but seriously, it gives them a get-out-of-jail-free card. They can blame it on the virus. They can say, oh, it's not my fault, it's not my fault, I was just doing what was safe for everyone else. By screwing them over? By starving them to death? Yeah, sure. By causing them to commit suicide? By causing heart attacks and strokes? Go screw yourself. I mean, seriously, I'm not a guy that likes to cuss very much, although it does slip out when I get really angry. Not going to lie. I'm not perfect. But yeah, let's be honest. Okay. It, it's tempting. You really, you get so angry. It's not the virus. Stop referring to these things as the virus. The real pandemic was the lockdowns. The real pandemic was authoritarianism. It was not the virus. Not the virus. 
So anyways, virus growth uncontrolled, economic activity contracts, unemployment rises, personal income falls, consumers miss rent and mortgage payments, rent and mortgage payment moratoriums fail, consumers use credit cards to make payments, small business apartment landlords and homeowners default on mortgages, debt bubble bursts, consumer spending dives. Economic activity contracts. The U.S. economy is contracting according to the latest sales manager index. The next chart shows a U.S. sales manager survey of national economic activity jumping in the third quarter and then rolling over into contraction again. Components of the sales manager index that are falling or flat include business confidence contracting, market growth flat, sales growth flat, profit margins weakening, and staffing levels falling. Accordingly, staffing levels are critical to watch as more layoffs mean an increase in unemployment. Unemployment rises. The latest report from the Department of Labor for state unemployment claims and continuing benefits shows a high level of unemployment continuing. The trend chart below shows that while regular state benefits are declining, extended emergency benefits increase in long-term jobless markets. There are 22.6 million workers on continuing unemployment assistance. This level of continuing unemployment is 22 times the level of 1 million a year ago. Considering 2 to 3 million workers who have not qualified for extended benefits or have used up their extended benefits, the number of eligible workers for unemployment is closer to 25 to 26 million. 26 million workers unemployed is about 17.3% of the the labor force. Labor experts set the unemployment rate at 20% if other workers who did not apply for benefits are added. High unemployment rates are driving personal income down. Personal income falls. Consumer personal income received a boost from several sources. The CARES Act provided $1,200 stimulus checks, which is a paltry sum, by the way, compared to how much money it cost. Bulk of that money in the CARES Act went to businesses and corporations, some of which didn't even need the money. Just keep that in your brain housing group. Many of these people who received money, we got pennies compared to how much money went to those big, big corporations where many of them could just declare bankruptcy and they they don't necessarily even need the money, by the way. Anyways, the CARES Act provided $1,200 stimulus checks, enacted the the payroll protection program targeting small businesses, a $600 weekly increase in unemployment insurance, and other emergency loans. The following Oxford economic analysis indicates that a budget squeeze began in October. Oxford forecasts that household income will fall by 3% below pre-COVID levels beginning in November. The model shows how tight household budgets will become by January 2021. Consumers miss rent and home mortgage payments. This is interesting. This kind of piggybacks off of the last article we just read. The Mortgage Bankers Association reports for the second quarter of 2020, rental income losses of $9.1 billion and mortgage payments missed of $16.3 billion. For the third quarter, rental losses were $9.1 billion and $19.4 billion in missed mortgage payments. For the fourth quarter, we forecast a continuing $35 billion total for both missed rental income and mortgage payments. The total forecast for both rental income losses and missed mortgage payments by 2021 is $90 billion. However, comma, Moody's Analytics forecasts $70 billion in missed rental payments alone by 12.8 million renters by January 2021. Confirming the 12.8 million figure, a study by Joint Center for Housing Studies at Harvard reports that 12.1 million renter households have at least one at-risk industry worker. Due to the wide variance in estimates, we forecast at least $100 billion in rental and mortgage debt due in January 2021. 
Our forecast of $100 billion in looming housing debt builds on our earlier analysis in recent executive employee catch-22 post. In that post, we identified two consumer segments, workers and professionals. We noted all homeowners reported non-confidence in making next month's payments. The analysis indicates that 16% of professional homeowners reported little or no confidence in making mortgage payments for September. Yet workers reported twice the non-confidence rate of professionals at 34%. Rent and mortgage moratoriums fail. The CARES Act mortgage and rent moratorium covered homes and apartment buildings secured with federal loans through July 31st. Renters obtained payment relief while landlords continue to pay mortgage loans from their funds or Relief Act assistance. In mid-August, President Trump signed an executive order instructing the Center for Disease Control and Prevention to identify households where infections may increase and mandate that household members be protected from eviction to ensure public safety. Since the federal moratorium ended and the CDC policy has been put into effect, thousands of landlords have filed suits challenging the CDC authority to protect renters from eviction. Okay, and that's talking about what the art the last article we talked about, how basically a moratorium from the federal government more or less and from the Trump administration kind of went ahead and expired on July 31st and then the CDC came in and extended that moratorium and there's many people that say the the CDC does not have authority to do that technically uh, I think by law there is some kind of emergency powers granted to the CDC which it is now utilizing, which it now has utilized in order to do this. And whether or not the CDC's actions are, you know, constitutional or not, and I don't don't think that it is and whatnot, the CDC does not have the right to go ahead and and basically enact law, although except for that one law back there that says that they can under emergency situations, uh, it's still, I'm pretty sure it's still against, it, it breaks the constitution in that sense. But anyways, yeah, a lot of landlords are filing suits against them. Some are winning. Uh, which is a positive thing. I know that that does mean that some renters are going to uh, lose their housing, but, you know, I mean, think of the consequences. There really are no good answers here, but think of the consequences. Everybody wants to demonize landlords, but it's like the landlords are the mom and pop shops who effectively you know, are uh, trying to uh, make ends meet. A lot of landlords are. There are some big corporation, you know, uh, landlords out there, but a lot of landlords are the types that are, th- this is all the money they have. I mean, they're not wealthy fat cats, ladies and gentlemen. They, they Landlords really do get a very bad rap, and some of them get a bad rap for very plausible reasons, but uh, not all. But anyways, let's continue. Courts in some states are finding in favor of landlords causing evictions to rise. Moody's Analytics forecasts that 16% of all renters will face eviction by January 2021. States like California and Washington pass blanket rent moratoriums in effect until January 1st, 2021. Rent debt is not erased in any case. The California moratorium calls for landlords to receive 25% of the debt balance in January and 50% in February followed by 25% increments to zero. With no stimulus assistance to renters and distressed homeowners, housing debt will likely continue to store. And the whole idea that they're going to receive 25 to 50%, I mean, if the renters, I mean, I don't know where that money is coming from. That money is coming from the renters. Uh, yeah, where are they going to get the money? The renters already can't pay you. What, what makes you think they're going to get 25% and then another 50% in February? No, they're not going to get paid at all at this point. Most renters who are really, really in dire straits, they're just going to up and leave. But consumers use credit cards to make payments. Credit card usage by renters increased by 70% last spring. 
As renters receive stimulus payments, the rate dipped to 50%. However, the credit card payment rate has risen to 65% due to the end of stimulus assistance. Consumers building credit card debt while unemployed or on reduced income assistance is unsustainable. Many consumers will be unable to make their credit card payments. Defaulting on their credit cards will hurt their credit score and make it more difficult to obtain other housing because they have an eviction on their record. A surge in credit card defaults will increase losses for credit card card issuing banks as well. Today, missed rep payments force millions of small business landlords to fall behind in their mortgage payments. Small business landlords default on mortgages. When renters miss payments, their landlord must continue to pay the mortgage on their building. Property corporations with access to low interest bank loans or bond markets will have a cushion during this rent loss period. However, many small business landlords are financially stressed. Small business landlords own 22 million properties, which are usually one to four unit buildings. Local small unit landlords finance their purchases with savings, other business profits, or family and friends. Only 12% of small unit buildings were covered by the CARES Act rent moratorium, which ended on July 31st. So some small business landlords have taken action to to evict the tenants. Facing a cash flow crunch, anxious small business landlords applied for CARES Act business emergency loans to mitigate income loss. The Turner Center for Housing Innovation at UC Berkeley survey of small business landlords found 40% of owners are not confident they can pay operating costs over the next few months. So small business landlords may evict tenants to find a paying renter. However, by first quarter 2021, there are likely to be millions of people evicted or with poor credit. So finding another paying tenant could be very problematic. Small business landlords are facing declining income and poor prospects for new paying tenants will likely default on their mortgage. There is likely to be a surge in multi-unit buildings for sale, causing a decline in multi-unit building construction. Homeowners default on mortgages. Homeowners enter into forbearance plans with their lenders to avoid penalties and fees when they are likely to be delinquent on their payments. Black Knight reports there are 3 million mortgages in forbearance as of October 31st. This forbearance rate is 10 times the 300,000 mortgages in forbearance in February of 2020. Most of these mortgages are approaching their six-month renewal date from last March and April. Homeowners can apply for a six-month renewal under the CARES Act. However, after March 2021, the forbearance period ends and homeowners must begin paying their balance owned while continuing monthly payments. 8% of present forbearance payers have applied for a six-month extension. With unemployment increasing and lockdowns forecast, there may be an increase in the number of forbearance plans. Other homeowners who don't qualify for forbearance are delinquent in making payments. Mortgage delinquencies outside of forbearance are up by 107% year-to-date as of October. By the end of first quarter 2021, defaults are likely to rise significantly. Consumer spending dives. A perfect economic storm is gathering strength from the health, social, and financial forces we have identified in this post. The coronavirus continues to penetrate all facets of American life. No, it does not. It's the lockdowns, moron. Driving uncertainty in the economy. Until we have a national virus containment program implemented, which we do not need, by the way, the pandemic will force economic activity down. No, it will not. The lockdowns will force economic activity down. Without a stimulus package from Congress, millions of unemployed workers, renters, and small businesses will strike. Struggle. That is probably true. However, you could also deregulate and also give people tax breaks too. You don't need to print money. With the bottom 80% of consumers facing severe economic headwinds, consumer spending will likely dive in the first half of next year. For investors, this is a time to prepare for a possible severe economic storm coming this winter. Scott Minard, global CIO at Guggenheim, observes that we have a pause now, giving us time to prepare for an economic whirlwind. The relative calm we feel in the markets right now isn't the end of the storm. 
It is just the eye. It may seem like there is no storm at all, yet the worst is yet to come. All right, now this was posted. I know it said by Tyler Durbin. It always says Tyler Durbin is the one that posts these. But it typically tells you uh, either at the bottom or the top where you get these. It says Patrick Hills at ProgressiveEnsign.com. He writes from the heart of Silicon Valley, leveraging 20 years of experience as an executive at firms like HP, Genentech, Veragee, Informatica, and Okta to provide investment and economic insights. Okay, so that, that's where this article, I think, was coming from. So yeah, basically by March 2021, the forbearance periods ends and they are on the hook to pay. Again, all of this mortgage forbearance that's happening, it's not even worth engaging in because you know you're not going to be able to pay. I mean, maybe, and, and th there are probably some examples to where it, it could be helpful. It gives you the time that you need to basically get another job and then you can make extra payments or something and maybe you can make it work. But for the bulk of people that are out there, that's going to be the exception. That's not going to be the rule. The rule is going to be that for the vast majority of people, if you can't pay now, you're not going to be able to pay by March 2021. Even if you get a job, most people have nothing in the way of savings. Most people are not financially capable of handling this kind of a crisis. All right? That, that, that's just the truth. You know, most people are not. And so as a result of that, ladies and gentlemen, this is going to be pretty dire. If you can't afford to pay now... Most of them are not going to be able to pay, afford to pay because the the amount that they owe in back mortgage payments is just going to grow. It's just going to continue to grow. And I don't know if interest is applied to that, but it doesn't really matter. Most people cannot afford to pay two mortgage payments in one month, let alone three or four or five or, or however many more. And we were at nine months. If they have been, if these individuals have been deferring their mortgage payments for nine months... There's no way. It's like a it's it, it's going to balloon on them. It, it's a balloon payment. They're going to have to pay it all at once or or whatever. Maybe they maybe some of them will be able to enter into some kind of uh, payment deal for what they owe, but the vast majority of them are not going to be able to pay. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're coming to the end of the podcast episode here today. But before we do, we need to get into the affiliate programs. But real quick, it's just really important to understand this. Okay. I have personally, when it comes to this kind of stuff, this is another thing that makes me mad and it drives me insane is that the fact of the matter is these homeowners, I mean, the, or not just the homeowners or the renters, if you are living somewhere rent free and it's not okay with the, with the landlord and you guys did not agree with it, then what you are engaging in, what you are being allowed to engage in, being supported and engaging in is theft. Okay. Living there rent free, you are effectively stealing a service for nothing. And particularly for those people, individuals who can't pay for it and will never pay for it, it is theft. It's theft. Okay? I mean, I'm not trying to demonize the renters. Like, we all pursue our own self-interest. Okay? So, anyways, look, it's theft. That's what it is. It's absolutely theft. If you are staying in somewhere rent-free, you are taking a service, you are living in their property rent-free, and it was not okay with the landlord that you do so, it is theft. You are effectively stealing the service. You are effectively, at least for a time, you're kind of a squatter, right? That's what it is. And I, again, I don't mean to demonize these people. Look, they're just doing what they think benefits them. And that's what they're doing. Some of these people are terrible people. I mean, of course, some of them are going to be. Some of them are not. Probably the majority of them are probably not. 
They're just doing what they think is benefiting them without really giving any cause for concern about the, the landlord. And that's because we've been demonizing landlords in this country for generations now. We've been demonizing landlords for a long time. There's a lot of people out there who think that landlords are these greedy, wealthy, fat cats who are lazy and don't want to fix crap. Look, there's a lot of bad landlords, okay? I, I live in a neighborhood right now that be, due to the low real estate values at one point in time, a lot, like 30% of the homes here, and I don't know if that's still the case, but I know at one point it was like 30% of the homes in this neighborhood were renters. And I actually live around renters. I got a, a rental property that's behind me. I got a rental property that's on the right of me. And I can tell you, these homes are not always kept up with very well. They've got problems. I can also tell you that not only do the tenants not keep up with these homes very well, but the landlords don't keep up with the homes very well. One one day I was outside and I even saw one of the landlords come out and the fence has been falling over in the back in, the, in their backyard for quite some time now. I actually saw him go over there. He looked at the fence. He was actually coming over because the drunk driver took out my mailbox and their mailbox as well. I replaced mine and the landlord had to replace theirs. So he came out and he did that. But then he went back and he looked at the backyard and saw the fence falling over. He did nothing about it. He never came back. He never fixed it. I'm like, dude, seriously, fix your dang property. It's not the tenant's property. It's your property. At that point, it is your responsibility to keep up with this. This is your asset. You need to take it seriously. There are a lot of people, a lot of people who are landlords, ladies and gentlemen, that shouldn't be landlords. Either A, they're not making any money on the property. That's a, that's an investment deal that never should have happened. I actually heard another story uh, from one of my mentors. And he was saying that he, he talked with his landlord about rental rates and stuff like that in the area. And he was saying that he's currently not making any money. So to give some more uh, context to it, my mentor lives in a townhouse, but it's it's not just a standalone townhouse. It's connected to three other townhouses and it's a, th it's a three unit townhouse building. And basically the landlord owns all three of them. Or, well, he's he's renting them from the bank, right? He, he doesn't own them. He's got a mortgage on all of them. And what he's saying is that even when they're completely rented out, he still doesn't even make money. He, bare, he doesn't even break even. Come on, I mean, seriously, he doesn't even break even. I don't know about you, but that's an investment deal. He never should have engaged. And according to my mentor, he said that, well, yeah, but you know, within five years, I'll pay the mortgage down enough and rental rental rates will rise. Okay. That's a, that's a big if, but how much are you, you, you taking it on the chin every single year for five years? No, 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 no. There's one thing I learned from, from Robert Kiyosaki and I've learned many things, but if there's one thing I've learned is that you don't engage in an investment if you're losing money. At that point, it's not an investment, it's a liability. That's a poor investment on his end, in my opinion. Uh, but anyways, all right, so let's go ahead and hop into some affiliates. In terms of the affiliate programs, if you guys are new, I do affiliate programs. It helps me to fund the show here. You know, we've got a precious metal company called Money Metals Exchange. They got a referral program. If you go to the website, it's not an affiliate link, but if you decide to make a purchase and buy some silver with them, I've used them many times. They're really, really great. They're one of my favorite places to go and buy silver. And they got a lot of really cool variety of stuff to buy. If you decide to buy, mention my name and you'll get a free silver coin with them. But in terms of all the other affiliate programs, you know, you got tier one trading that's for uh, Forex education. They're going to teach you how to trade Forex. Skillshare, most of you guys know who Skillshare is. Come on, I mean, they're advertised all over the place. And, you know, it's a it's a really great educational platform. You guys can learn all kinds of stuff. They got a lot of really cool, high quality courses that are on there in all manners of subjects, ranging from coding to photography and, and anything else in between. So it's really, really great stuff. 
Uh, they have some trading stuff on there too. It's trading and investing as well. So go check that out. And then on top of that, we also have the Liberty Classroom by Tom Woods. If you feel that you are been a victim of educational malpractice and frankly today, most of us have been. So uh, I'm going through it right now. Just finished another two videos last night. Great stuff. It's a ton of information, but I love it. And yeah, I think it's it, it gives you the foundation that you that you didn't get in high school. And it gives you a lot of information that you need in order to combat a lot of the arguments that you, you shouldn't really be engaging in anyways. But if you do engage in with leftists, it does help in that area. But on top of that, but it also, you know, gives you great foundation in Austrian economics and a whole host of other stuff. And it's going to teach you history, civics. It's going to teach you a lot of the stuff the way it was supposed to. And it's really meant for as a homeschool program, whether for, for high schoolers and college students. So it's really, really good information that to get out there. If you're interested in homeschooling, I highly recommend you go check it out. That's one of the other reasons why I bought it is because I'm going to be homeschooling my kids. And I wanted to kind of... <laughs> test it out myself before I go and do that. So, but it's something I've wanted to do for a, li a while and it's, it's really, really great. So go check it out there too. So those are the affiliate programs. I'm going to put all the links in the, in the show notes page. So if you guys are interested, you want to help to, you think that you're going to find value in any of those programs and you also want to contribute to the show and help me continue to come in here producing value for you guys, then, then go check them out and uh, you'll get value and I'll get value as well. So it'll be, it'll be really, really great. Also, you know, last but not least, if you guys are interested in donating to the show, okay, I, I do have the ability to accept donations. If you want to help me to continue to come in here each and every week to provide value for you guys, to continue to and keep you guys informed of what's going on, if you also want to help me spread this message of financial freedom and personal empowerment to as many people as we can get to listen, then consider giving a donation to the show. It really helps us out here. It really, really does. So consider being a supporting listener and uh, yeah, it'll be great. All right. That said, ladies and gentlemen, you know, I really did have the intention of going through another article uh, for with you guys today. I actually, I had three more on the stack talking about the Bank of International Settlements and, and the warning that it, that it wants to issue. And also with regards to a liquidity supernova, as one article state puts it. But we are out of time. You know, uh, unfortunately, we're over an hour. And again, after a lot of times when you hear me guys say that we're over an hour or something of that nature, at the time of recording, it is over an hour. But after editing, it might be under an hour but or, or something of that nature. But that said, unfortunately, we're just not going to get to the other articles in the stack that for today. So anyways, ladies and gentlemen, look, the fact of the matter is this. Okay. There's a lot of stuff that's coming down the line. We talked a lot about the real estate market with regards to renters and with regards to mortgage payment, right? Uh, homeowners. It's not looking good. Okay. These are, these are very highly visible problems. There's a lot more less visible problems that we would have talked about in other articles with regards to money printing and, and things of that nature. But unfortunately, like I said, due to time constraints, we just don't have the ability to do it. But look, uh, there's a lot of issues coming down the line. All right. There's a lot of problems and no one's focusing on the right stuff. And look, it doesn't matter whether it's Trump or Biden. They're not going to be able to fix the problem that's that's affecting us today. They're just they're not going to be able to do it. I hate to say that. I really do. But it's the truth. They're simply not going to be able to change the course of where this is going. Neither Biden nor Trump. Right now, we, we don't have any good options. Here are your options. You either continue printing and you go by the way of Japan, a very, very slow spiral of death. That could be one way. So actually, let's say it's three. The second is you continue to print, 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 kind of like in 2008. You know, 
they only really put a band-aid on the problem in 2008 by printing money and things of that nature. And eventually sentiment recovered and people continue to felt pretty secured and, and, and whatnot. And people continue to get jobs or companies continue to hire and things did get back to a little sense of normalcy, but under the surface, nothing really changed. The only thing that did change was the fact that the government continued to print a massive amount of money and prop the whole thing up. Right now, that is occurring. But their printing is becoming less and less effective. And the fact of the matter is that, you know, over time, they'll have to drop rates into the negatives. They'll go below the zero bound is what it's called. And then on top of that, they're also talking about doing helicopter money. And if they do helicopter money, helicopter money is very, very, once you give it into the hands of everyday people who are just going to spend it, you're going to cause inflation, very high inflation. You might even cause hyperinflation. It's very hard to control. Once you print the money, it can have the effect of the man in the shower. For those of you guys who don't know, the man in the shower is a metaphor. Uh, there's a guy, he's constantly, he's, he's in the shower, he wants to heat up the shower, it's getting too cold, so he cranks the heat up. Nothing happens. So he cranks the heat up again. Again, nothing happens. So he cranks the heat up again. Before you know it, it all comes in at once and scolds him, burns him, and he has to run to the hospital. That is basically the idea behind the government printing money. They print money, they don't see the same effect. They print more money, they don't see the same effect. They print even more money, and then all of a sudden it all comes due at once, and it destroys the entire nation. The whole financial system, gone. Now, I'm not trying to say that's going to happen this year or next year or in our time frame. I don't know when that's going to happen. What I am saying is we there is a possibility we may see some high inflation. I think what we're going to see is we're going to see a drop in the real estate market. And again, all markets are basically connected at this point. So if we see a drop in the real estate market, that's going to drive down the stock market as well. And there will be other reasons that drive down the stock market too. I think we're going to see a drop in the real estate market, a, a crash. I think we're going to see another crash in the stock market. And uh, while the stock market is not the economy, the fact of the matter is there are real businesses on there that are represented and thousands upon thousands of jobs that are represented there. And that's going to hurt. But the truth is, ladies and gentlemen, is this. I don't think 2021 is going to be a positive year. I think 2021 is when all the economic consequences of what we've been doing with regards to the lockdowns are finally coming due. And it's scary. And there's a lot of stuff that's happening. And I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't have a crystal ball, but I don't think it's going to be good. I have been staying out of the, the, the stock market literally for an entire year now, or almost an entire year, you know, and I've just been waiting, keeping my powder dry. And I'm not giving financial advice. I'm just letting you know what I'm doing. I, I don't want to risk my money. I don't, I, I, it's too much uncertainty right now. Okay. I'm not, I'm not trading fi- uh, with any live money, partly because I'm not ready for that yet. But on top of that, you know, uh, I'm not, I'm not at that stage where I can do that with my back testing. But on top of that, with regards to just investing and putting money in for the long haul and building up a position of dividend paying stuff, I- I'm not, I'm not doing that. I don't know what the economy is. I think the economy is going to take another dive. I think it is. I could be wrong, but that's my, that's my thought process. I think we, I think real estate, the real estate market's going to take a dive. It's been going on for far too long right now. It's going to be going up for far too long right now. And um, there were lots of stuff, you know, with all these moratoriums on rent, with all these moratoriums on uh, residential real estate, and on top of that, with regards to the fact that they also lowered the interest rates on mortgages so people could engage in refinancing, that also prevented people from selling homes. 
They did everything. They've done tons of stuff that they could to keep people in their homes. Eventually, they're not going to be able to do it forever. And I've been thinking for a long time they've been doing it for the election. At this point, I don't know if the election was really the reason. So I thought that after the election, the following year, all of these aides were going to fall off and we're going to see a dive very similar to that of 2008. That's what I've been thinking. Whether or not I'm right, I don't know. Now, I mean, to some extent, I'm also, I'm, I'm kind of wondering, you know, why are people doing all this really terrible economic stuff? They can't be this dumb. And some of me even thinks, well, maybe it's globalists and, and, you know, trying to crash the entire economy, the Great Reset. They want, they want to destroy every nation so they can unite under one banner. Look, they've been open about that. That's not conspiracy theory. We've covered it. You can literally go to their websites, the, the World Economic Forum, and find the Great Reset. You type in the Great Reset, you'll find it on Google. But the fact of the matter is they've been very vocal about it. It's scary stuff. They're talking about not owning property anymore. They're talking about how you'll be happy you won't own property and you'll be happy about it. They're talking about how everyone's going to be, you know, doing, you know, surviving off universal basic income. Basically, they're talking that they're going to make everyone a slave. Now, I don't think that that's going to happen anytime soon. So don't get all freaked out. But here, look, here's what we can do. Here's the whole point of all this. It's all depressing stuff, right? And it really is. It really is all depressing stuff. But there is a silver lining here. Okay? There are actions that we can take. I beat the drum on this all the time. I always am saying, like a broken record, I'm going to continue to say it like this for the rest of my life. The fact of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, is that we can all become financially free by taking control of the source of our income and by controlling our finances. You know, the first thing you do is control your finances. You start paying down debt. You start increasing your savings. If you don't trust inflation, look, I'm not going to give you recommendations, but I can tell you that I'm putting a certain percentage in, you know, silver and gold. Uh, There's a lot of opinions out there, 5%, 10%. Look, just for me, I'm putting whatever I can in there right now, okay? I'm building up my savings accounts and I'm also paying down my debt. These are the things that I am doing. You know, so I'm trying to shore up my financial position as much as possible. I'm trying to build up the cash reserves in my savings accounts. So the reason I'm doing that, if any kind of emergency comes around, if my wife loses her job again, again, she already lost her job once. She's got a contract position. Hopefully it turns into a permanent position, but we don't know. We have no idea. And who's to say that she loses the job again? Look, I would have loved to have had all of this bad stuff happen last year so that it's all behind us now. We can move on to the next year. That didn't happen. It was all basically kicked down the road, like a kid kicking a can or a rock down the road. That's effectively what it was, okay? And that's what happened. So we got to deal with what what we are given, right? I've talked about this before. We have to deal with what we are given, not with what the ideal situation would be. We're not in the ideal situation. The ideal situation is is non-existent. So we got to do what we can with what we have. So for me, I'm trying to build up my cash reserves. I'm trying to pay down my debt, all right? That's the most of what I'm trying to do right now. And then after that, I'm also trying to, you know, take control of the source of my income, create a business here with this podcast and ultimately find a way to make money to where if my wife loses her job, I'm making money. So it's, so it's cool and no one can fire me. That is what I'm trying to do. And I, that's my plan. That's my plan. And unfortunately I will say I started too late. I started way later. And if you haven't started at all, you're starting even later than I did. So you need to light a fire under your butt and you need to get out there and you need to freaking do something 
Start taking control of the source of your income. This is how you prepare for this kind of stuff. You may maintain your job through this all, okay? Even in the Great Depression, only 20% of the working force actually lost their income. 80% still had a job. You know, so still the majority of the people, even in, in this crisis, more than likely the majority of people are still going to maintain their jobs. But ladies and gentlemen, this is a little, this is very different from the, from the Great Depression of what is causing this. But look, there may be things that happen, maybe a presidential election, he starts enacting laws that make it harder for us to win. But again, winners win, right? Winners win. We'll find a way, but you got to take action now. You got to take control of the source of your income. <laughs> I say it all the time. Take, do it. Get out there. What are you waiting for? You think you don't have time? There is time. There's always time. Get started now because this whole situation, once everything starts going back up again, it's only going to be a band-aid on the underlying problems. It's not the main problem. It's just a temporary one and it's going to, they're going to put a band-aid on it and more than likely we're going to recover just like 2008 or quote unquote air quotes, recover. We're not really recovering. We're just, again, putting a band-aid on the problem, kicking the can down the road again. That's pretty much what's happening. I do not believe, and I could be wrong, but I do not believe that this is the, the, the big crash that breaks the camel's back. This is the, the big, this is it. This is the mother of all crashes. The U.S. is done. The reserve currency of the world is done. And the financial system collapsed. Hyperinflation. America's dead. I don't believe that. I don't think that's going to happen now. I think it's coming down the line at some point. Hopefully not in my time frame. Hopefully not, my, hopefully not in my children's time frame, but I think it's coming. What I do see is we are in for a lot of volatility, a lot, potentially some violence. We are, uh, there's a lot of economic issues that are going to, that are coming out. All right. Ugly issues are going to be rearing their head. 2021, we need to prepare. Take control of the source of your income. Get started. Okay, if you don't know what you want to do, head over to Skillshare, find out, you know, start teaching yourself some stuff, start start building up your skill set. That's a great way if you don't know what you want to do, you need experiences, you need, and I don't mean experiences like going on vacation. That's not going to help you. I mean experiences like, I mean, unless you intend to do a travel blog, but a travel blog in these days is going to be difficult. Uh, what I mean are you need experiences with regards to skill sets. You need to continue to increase your human capital. And we should be doing that whether it's in a good times or bad times. I mean, I'm constantly learning some new stuff. I'm just trying to do business stuff. But we need to be learning this stuff on a increasing our human capital. So go check out at Skillshare. If you don't know what you want to do, it's a great place to go. There's lots of different topics. There's lots of different things that you can learn. It's very inexpensive. Literally, that's my, that's my answer. Because there's so many people that say, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know what I want to do. Check out Skillshare. You can learn coding. Then you can teach people how to code. If you can learn trading, you, there's uh, options trading, stock trading, Forex trading on there. there. I think there might be some futures trading, which is uh, commodities, by the way. You could trade some commodities and stuff of that nature. I think there's educational stuff. I haven't vetted those. So if you go check them out, you know, hey, I haven't vetted those. Okay, so I'm not recommending them. I'm just saying there's lots of stuff that's out there. You know, how to fly drones, art, there's lots of art stuff, painting stuff. There's there's stuff of dance. There's all kinds. I mean, literally anything you could think of. I've just gone on sprees where I'm just searching through all kinds of random stuff just out of curiosity. I mean, there's got stuff on there on how to fly drones for crying out loud. I mean, I've used it for YouTube advertising and also for email copywriting and website design. So, I mean, there, there all kinds of stuff. If you don't know what you want to do, go over there. It's dirt cheap. Go check it out. Right? If you know what you want to do, but you're scared of putting yourself out there, then you're going to have to be willing to take some risks. You're just you're going to have to be willing to do it, okay? 
sorry, but you're going to have to. If you ever want to take control of the source of your income, then you're going to have to. And you need to take control of the source of your income. It's absolutely necessary. But ladies and gentlemen, you could choose a different life. It's your choice. In the end, it is your choice. Take control of your finances. Take control of the source of your income. It's your choice. All you got to do is make a choice. That's the first step. And then the next step is finding out what you want to do and then start doing it. You can start a podcast like me. You could get a blog going. If you don't want to be on mic, you could get a blog going. That's that's okay. You could pump that blog out to as many social media sites as you can. You know, there's all kinds of, of, of different things you could do. You don't have to have a product. I mean, look at me. I don't have a product yet. I'm engaging in affiliate marketing. So ladies and gentlemen, that's what you can do to prepare yourself for this. Okay. Get started today. You don't have the time you think you do. Don't make the mistake that I made in thinking that I had time. You don't have time. You need to start. You need to start now. Look, I don't mean to be rude when I'm saying that, but you need to start. You need to start now. You don't have the time that you think you do. Trust me. I, that's what I thought. And look how wrong I was. My wife ended up losing a job. Thankfully, she got another one, but it's not even permanent and she could lose it again. I wish I had started earlier. Don't make my mistake. Start now. Okay? And uh, we're all going to survive one way or the other. And you will be better off for starting now. Okay? We will survive. So anyways, that's it, ladies and gentlemen. That's going to be it for the episode. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I, I, it was very informative. I, I, I hate ending it on such a negative note. Again, there's a lot. After all this happens and goes through, I think we're going to be in for a very, very good another 8, 10, 12 years of relative peace and relative growth, right? I think it's going to, we're, there's going to be some hard times. I think overall, those who prepared for, for this are going to be doing very, very well. And I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities. I think there's tons of opportunities. We are living in one of the greatest moments in human history. Okay. One of the greatest times in human history. I genuinely believe that. So there's a lot of positive stuff going on. You just got to be willing to see it and look for it and be, be on the lookout for it and whatnot and uh, just not get sucked in by all the negativities. So yeah, but anyways, all right, ladies and gentlemen, if you love what I'm doing here, then make sure to like and subscribe wherever you are. If you really like this, the content here and you're getting a lot of value out of it, then hit that share button. It really helps me out a lot. It helps me to grow this message of financial freedom and whatnot. So if you love what, the, what you're hearing, then please share the show. And like I said at the beginning of the episode, if you love it, then make sure to head over to iTunes, leave me a rating and review. And last but not least, before we head out, if you guys are interested in the service that I've mentioned before, uh, I'm, I'm starting this service where I'm going to be reading a lot of articles from the Mises Institute, the American Institute for Economic Research, and the Foundation for Economic Education. And I'm going to be turning them all into audio files so that you guys can listen to them on your on your day, on, on your drive to work, or maybe on your lunch break. A lot of people, they, they want to be informed of this information, but they don't have the time to go off and read all these articles. So my idea was to basically come in and turn all that stuff into an audio format. And then basically you guys could pay a, a, a small fee, a monthly fee, and you guys could get access to it. It's not going to be expensive. Maybe like 10 bucks a month is what I'm thinking about. This is pretty cheap for the most part, but you guys could have access to all this information. You could keep up with information of what's going out there. I'm trying to get more sites that will allow me to read their stuff and whatnot. So if I could get more, may, you know, th th that would be great as well. But ladies and gentlemen, look, it's going to be a great service. You guys need to be informed of this information and you guys can do that even if you don't have time to read it. All you got to do, subscribe and you'll get access to it. So if you're interested in that, hit me up via Matthew at newmillenniumwealth.com. I'll put the email in the show notes page below. So anyways, if you're interested in that, email me and uh, yeah, we'll go from there. All right, ladies and gentlemen, 
Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you did, make sure to like and subscribe and share it. And if you guys will do all that for me, I'll see you guys in the next episode. As always, ladies and gentlemen, know the risks, plan accordingly, and have a great day.